Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Christ Church Medicine, a community coming home to Jesus and His Church. For more information about us, visit ChristChurchMedicine.com. Welcome again to Epiphany Sunday. This is one of my favorites. This is the Sunday when we celebrate the revelation of God, the, the light, the brilliant light of Jesus for all the nations, for everyone. The Epiphany Feast comes on Wednesday, but this Sunday we begin to celebrate that light of revelation to everyone. The color of this Sunday is white and gold, as you see on the cross, to symbolize light for all of creation. So I invite you all, all of us, to raise our expectations this morning that the light of God might somehow brighten our souls, give us insight, give us healing, give us hope. Please pray with me. Oh, Lord Jesus, we look to you this morning for the light that only you can bring. Brighten the darkness of our souls, the darkness of our reality in these days. We long to see more, to receive more of your light. So we pray by your grace, would you open your truth to us this morning? Have mercy, Lord, and meet us. Draw us, Holy Spirit, to encounter Jesus today. Amen. I want to tell you about one of the funnest Bible study experiences I've ever had. I was in college at a secular university, and my friend Eric and I were assigned to lead ministry in a freshman dorm. We initially set out to find Christians in the dorm and to train them up as leaders. But the Christians we found were strange, flaky, and uninterested in training, so we changed tack, and we decided to do something different. We got to know people, tried to make friends, and we bought food once a week for anyone who would come and discuss a gospel passage with us for a short time. Usually it was pizza, sometimes it was ice cream, but it was always food. Now the food was popular and the discussions were fascinating and went a lot of different directions. This was not a pious group of people, and it was very entertaining. They were up for saying what they thought and what they felt. Partway through the fall quarter, a guy named Enrique started showing up each week. And I believe it was Enrique's personal mission to see if he could provoke me in some way. So we tried a variety of strategies week by week. One week it would be to see how extremely he could bring profanity in the discussion and see how we would respond. Another week he would bring alcohol 
into the discussion for himself and for others and see what happened. Still another week, Enrique would come and see if he could draw out some kind of sacrilegious perspective on the story we were looking at. It was entertaining and sometimes very uncomfortable. And yet Eric and I decided not to overreact, but to welcome whoever would come and see what Jesus would do. This was an epiphany sort of Bible study, and it was delightful. We expected the light to shine. Let's go to our passage in Matthew chapter 2. I invite you to grab a Bible or pull it up on a device if you have one or look on page 8 of your bulletin, but please follow the Bible text. Don't just listen to the preacher. The Bible's better. This is a challenging and paradigm-shifting passage, even though it seems rather familiar to us. And it's history, so it's a story, and the way we're going to look at it this morning is to look at each of the different characters in the passage to try and get to know them a little bit better. It's a good way to open up Bible passages that are narrative. Through the characters, I want to point out two warnings and one glorious epiphany invitation for us. We'll start with the Magi or the wise men, verses 1 through 3. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star, we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. So first of all, this is not necessarily three guys. As much as your uh, nativity scene may have three kings, the only place three is mentioned in the passage is the gifts at the end. It was likely a larger party of people. And they've likely been traveling for up to two years. It's a big operation arriving in Jerusalem, the capital city. Now, they were intimidating enough that not only Herod the king was disturbed, but all of Jerusalem was disturbed with him. The word for troubled in verse 3 is extreme. It draws out they were afraid, they were paranoid, they were panicked. Herod the king and the whole city. What must that have been like? Now, I invite you to a silly thought experiment. Humor me. How would we feel if two big airplanes land at the Madison airport and out come a whole bunch of people who seem important and at the head of them, the leaders, come Kim Jong-un, Elon Musk, 
Dr. Fauci and Pope Francis. And they all come out and they say, we have agreed together that something of global significance is happening here in Madison, Wisconsin this week. And that's all they say. Wouldn't that be freaky? These people coming from all over the world, who, who were they? What are they doing? And they come saying this strange, provocative thing. Now, the words for these three wise men, magi, kings, whoever you want to call them, indicate that they were foreign, powerful people, likely from Persia, high officials of a rival empire. We know this type of official from the book of Daniel. Many of us in small groups over the last few months have been studying the book of Daniel. And Daniel was one of these magi sort of guys, a ruler in this kingdom of Persia. And we find out in Daniel, they are academic, political, spiritual business leaders of an empire. They were spiritual interpreters of dreams, leaders of worship. They were academic. They learned all the disciplines of science and history and philosophy. They were economic. They led whole sections of an empire. It is a little bit like the visit of Kim Musk, Fauci, and, uh, and Francis in Madison. The other connection to Daniel here and the previous exile of the Jews is this. There was a Jewish influence and a history in the East. These leaders have tasted Jewish culture and have tasted Jewish blood. Remember that the kings of Babylon and Persia, they learned about Daniel's faith. And we know from other history sources that there was this superstition in the East that one of the next rulers of the earth would arise out of Judea. Intimidating leaders have arrived from a rival empire on an unexpected visit asking cryptic, disturbing questions. We'll come back to these guys, but isn't that a great setup for a story? Now let's look at Herod and the religious leaders and receive two epiphany warnings. Verses 3 through 8. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. 
Herod, who was this guy. This is Herod the Great in his waning years. It's confusing because there's a lot of Herods in the New Testament. This is not Herod Antipas, his son, who's the guy who imprisoned and beheaded John. It's not Herod Agrippa, who later interviewed Paul. But this is the first Herod who was the consummate politician. He was a pawn of Mark Antony initially, if you know your uh, early Roman history. And then he managed to weasel over and transfer his allegiance to Julius Caesar. This guy was the ultimate player. He always defended his position, his identity, his power, his place. Because of defending his position, Herod misses the epiphany, the revelation of God. He sees the wise men as a threat, even though they don't make a threat. He sees the prophecy of a new king as a threat, even though it refers to a young child. His posture of defense leads him not only to miss the epiphany, but ultimately it leads him into a murderous rage where in the passage right after ours, he kills children. Our first epiphany warning, beware the posture of defense. We may not feel like Herod, but when's the last time you were defensive in some way? Think over the last week. Look for a place where you've been defended in some way. When we're defending ourselves, we're usually unable at that time to receive the light of God, His revelation. We miss epiphany. Let's look at the religious leaders for a moment. Herod goes to the chief priests and scribes. If you remember that language, it refers to Sadducees and Pharisees. In October and November, Father Scott was preaching from the end of this Gospel of Matthew about Jesus' interactions with scribes and Pharisees. Herod goes to them and he asks where the Messiah is to be born and they answer correctly. Are these bad guys? They give the right answer, right? And they don't kill any kids. But they too miss the epiphany. They miss the revelation of God. And they end up, in fact, the same as Herod. They end up, by the end of this gospel, in a murderous rage against Jesus. So what's their problem? What do we need to beware of? They're satisfied to stay in their lane and be correct. They're not curious. 
They're not open to surprise. They're not humble. They give the right answer and go home. Our second warning, beware of staying in your own lane. This is a huge temptation, especially in these days, isn't it? Don't you just want to be right and avoid conflict in our polarized world? Don't you want to not have to deal with those annoying people who are wrong? We're tempted to stay in our lane and miss the epiphany. We miss the surprise of God's light shining where we would least have expected it. And God has a habit of showing up where we least expect it. These religious leaders, they should have been interested in the Messiah. They should, in fact, have been interested and taken notice when the Kim Fauci, Musk, Francis crowd started saying something significant is happening. But they were satisfied to stay in their lane, be correct, and go home. Beware of staying in your lane and missing the revelation of God. Now let me say, I taste these warnings, these impulses in my own soul regularly. Sometimes when I'm asserting a valid point, turns out it's fearful defense that's actually happening inside of me. And I'm missing out on epiphany. This week, I almost blasted two of my nephews with a tirade of truth. But I was praying about epiphany, and I realized my heart was defensive. And I realized as well that I could have just stayed in my lane and wished them well and avoided but it seemed somehow that God was challenging me to look for light in the conversation. So I asked an open-ended question instead. Let's look at Mary and Joseph and back at the wise men and explore our epiphany invitation, shall we? Verses 9 to 12. After listening to the king, they, the wise men, went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures... They offered it, him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. How did the wise men respond to revelation, to the epiphany in the sky? They were curious and open enough to search and to believe despite their intellectual Dr. Fauci, Elon Musk skills. 
They were fascinated by what they did not yet know. The star they had seen two years earlier combined with history and prophecy and led them on a quest. I like these guys, don't you? After learning from the religious leaders through Herod, they saw the star again and it was confirmed. And their first reaction in verse 10 is what I would expect. They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. I imagine high fives all around. They found the star and where it was leading them in the end. They'd been following this quest for a long time. Their second reaction, however, is shocking to the very core. They went in and fell down on their faces in worship of Jesus. These foreign, empowered, privileged leaders fall on their faces in worship. It's utterly amazing. The message of Epiphany, brothers and sisters, is more than pluralism. They fall worshiping the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. The message of Epiphany indeed is an openness to light shining where we least expect it, and especially in all cultures and peoples of the world. But it is a message of worship of Jesus Christ. What is revealed is the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. The wise men are humble. They're curious and they worship Jesus. Now, how did Mary and Joseph respond? Two years in, they were probably not in the stable anymore. Again, despite our, uh, our little nativity scenes, they likely had a more permanent place to live and in their presumably humble existence, they welcomed these extreme strangers and believed what God was doing in them. If Jerusalem was up in arms from the arrival of this party, imagine little Bethlehem, even more so. The Holy Family must have been awestruck by the worship coming from these powerful people. And the gifts, gold fit for a king, frankincense that's burned only in the Holy of Holies for worship, and myrrh for embalming. But Mary and Joseph, they welcomed the surprise. They welcomed the surprise of these worshipful rulers. They believed that God was doing something wonderful in their day despite the challenges and they were willing to see it even in the extreme situation. Our epiphany invitation is here. Certainly beware the dangers of defensiveness and of just staying in your own lane to remain correct, but instead open our hearts with expectancy 
that Jesus will reveal himself as true and great and real and unique right in the middle of our circumstances, whether it's circumstances of privilege and power like the wise men or of poverty and marginality like Mary and Joseph. Open our hearts with expectancy that Jesus will reveal himself especially to and through those we assume might be on another side. Our epiphany invitation is to live ready to be surprised by the light of the gospel in every situation. To live ready to be surprised by the light of the gospel in every situation. Back to that interesting Bible study with Enrique baiting me every week. He kept it up all year. Often it was entertaining and quite often it was annoying. Sometimes it was hurtful. Often it was distracting to others. But we kept inviting and welcoming him and praying for him. And I had the habit of walking around the dorm and visiting anyone with a door cracked or opened. Unfortunately, that kind of thing's not happening during COVID. In the spring, in the late spring, I went by Enrique's room and had a brief conversation with him. He seemed troubled. And I noticed that above his desk, he had taped one of our gospel passages from a few weeks before. He was in a hurry and needed to get away, so I didn't comment and let him go. But I felt prompted by God to come back the next day and ask, is there any way I could pray for you, and pray with you? And that's when Enrique's heart cracked open and he poured out the story of pain that he was experiencing and very fresh grief in his family. And he shared with me that through the gospel passages we'd been studying, Jesus had revealed himself and that he was ready to follow. We wept together, we prayed together. Light shone into darkness in me, in Enrique. It was a miracle. It was an epiphany. How will Jesus reveal himself to you in the coming week? Let's pray for a moment. Oh Lord, for each of us, we open our hearts in the ways that we can. We confess, I confess that I'm often defensive, that I'm often avoidant staying in my own lane. And we pray, oh Lord, would you open us to your light. Would you reveal yourself 
in us and in others that we could worship you. 